welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey everybody, welcome back to your favorite podcast about a movie couple who watch horror movies and one of them dies each week. My name is Cindy. I'm Josh. Yay. Uh, Cindy's a zombie. She dies every week. I die every week and I'm resurrected when the credits roll. Uh, He loves horror. Me, um, not so much. Uh, Each month we pick a theme and watch movies that will slowly kill me. This month we are doing demonic possessions. We I'm watched that teacher pension. Yeah, uh, we watched uh, wreck or record the. Uh, I don't know how to inter- properly introduce wreck, that movie. Wreck. wreck. Uh, that was terrifying. And then I guess we're not going to count it as part of the month, but our lead-in was the Conjuring, Conjuring Two, Two, which was our Christmas special movie. Right. Um, we are now going uh, back to the classics, and we are watching The, the Exorcist. Exorcist. Continue. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. <laughs> she came out in 1973, long before either of us were Correct. alive um, or even planned. Uh, my sister was born, but that like that is her birth year. So, yeah. yeah. Um, 1973, the year, just for context, the Vietnam War was going. Um, we were looking at winding down, finally. Mm. Uh, Nixon was starting his second term that year. Mm. The Godfather won Best Picture. And there was a Chilean coup oh. that we didn't have anything to do about. La, 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 la. Of course not, dear. Because we we mm. just cheerleaded from afar. That's right. Socialism bad. Definitely didn't have our hands we all in that. Something to do with that. Any totally wrong podcast, um, wrong yeah, podcast. The people that we gained that year were were Jim Parsons, fun, Tori Spelling. Juliette Lewis, Patrick Wilson of The Conjuring and Conjuring 2 fame. Oh. Uh, Kristen Wiig Yay. and Paul Walker. R.I.P. Uh, we lost People that we lost that year were Lyndon Johnson, Pearl S. Buck, Pablo Picasso. Pearl S. Buck, famous West Virginian. Yeah. And Bruce Lee. Yeah. Famous. Oh, wow. Martial artist. Martial artist. Not as famous as Steven Seagal. I'm famous. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's a different podcast yeah. that I'm listening to. Famous actor like kind of the first i will say kind of definitely the first international asian superstar action guy mm-hmm. uh also very fascinating dude yeah like interesting life did a lot to uh break down asian stereotypes in hollywood tell me about the exorcist <laughs> like, tell me about bruce lee nope tell me about um, this exorcist movie we're about to get into so this movie is rated r it is two hours and two minutes long. Good God, I didn't realize that. It's, I mean, Conjuring 2 was two hours and 22. Yeah, like and that. I was unhappy the entire time. <laughs> um, this movie is directed by William Friedkin, Billy Friedkin, who directed The French Connection, uh, Sorcerer, who I, I swear that is his best movie, oh. um, To Live and Die in L.A., uh, Bug and Jade. Remember Jade from the nineties? Kind of. With those weird erotic thrillers that the nineties so when it's like, what if every other movie was like a thriller where people just fucked, fucked a bunch? all the time? And Michael Douglas was wet for some reason. Yeah, and what's his name that was in um, CSI Miami that has the red hair? Oh, uh, Caruso. A- NYPD. He was in so many of those. Yes. <laughs> They're like it's this like casper white looking dude who's like i'm down to fuck on camera <laughs> he's like the muscular conan o'brien <laughs> anyway <laughs> it's david 
Cruz. I did not imagine we were talking about David Cruz who big DTF on this podcast He's, today. Whatever. But here we are, because my my boy, my white ass boy, <laughs> was like, I'll have sex on camera. I don't give a fuck. I'm good. Let's do this. <laughs> I need to get out of this NYPD Blue contract. This movie had so many people in NYPD Blue. I think everyone in NYPD Blue was like down to do nudity, which was wild because some of them were. Should not have been. <laughs> very some unattractive. Of them should not have been. I'm looking at you, Dennis Franz. <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> Dennis Franz showed his How ass dare you? on national television. I'm not going to it's name like, call. We don't need that. We don't want that. Somebody wanted it. Just saying. Just say anyway. I do love Dennis Franzo. Uh, this movie was written by William Peter Blatty, who wrote the novel The Exorcist. Ah. That he swears is based on a true story. Doubt it. Um, he also wrote the sequel novel <laughs> called Legion. He oh. uh, He directed that novel's movie. Of course he did. Version, which is The Exorcist 3. Uh, he also directed a movie called The Ninth Configuration. The Ninth Configuration. Yes. Uh, he likes wordy shit. Yeah. He's a novelist. Yeah. Uh, he also produced this movie, and it led to him being friends with William Friedkin prior to the movie and then them not liking each other after the movie was done. Okay. Um, we'll talk Never more about with that your friends, I guess. afterwards. But Billy Friedkin was a handful. <laughs> okay. And um, That's what I mean. Never work with your friends. When your job is to, as the producer and the writer is to be like, make hey, this accurate. It and also, maybe don't spend all the money in a day. And Freakin was like, I just, made, I just made a French Connection and won an Oscar. Um, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. Do whatever the fuck I want. Uh, yeah. And it, yeah. It, it ended their friendship. Yeah, that, that that's a sure way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie was shot by Owen Roisman. Who did The French Connection, The Taking of Pelham 123, The Stepford Wives, Network, Straight Time, Tootsie, and The yeah. Adams Family. Ooh, I love The Adams Family. <laughs> like the fact that the Just guy who that shot one in there. French Connection and The Exorcist was like, yeah, towards the end of my career. Let's <laughs> go do family. The Adams Family. There you go. Yeah. Uh, the makeup was in part done by Dick Smith, um, who did makeup. We've talked on, about him before. Yeah, I've talked about Dick Smith. He's the pioneer make, makeup guy. Yes. Other than... Uh, like mm-hmm. the Universal cast and crew. Okay. But Dick Smith did Midnight Cowboy, Little Big Man, The Godfather, Godfather 2, Taxi Driver, Altered State, Scanners, Ghost Story, The Hunger, and Death Becomes Her. I love Death Becomes Her. Every makeup guy has like a thing mm-hmm. What's that they specialize thing? in. Like Screaming Mad George specializes in. The fuck is that? It's like, <laughs> right? Like we've, t- we've seen like, Movies where we talk yeah. about Screaming Mad George, and we're like, oh, it's like a face coming out of an asshole. Yeah, like, very, uh, it's like surrealist horror yep. crazy. Um, Dick Smith does old age makeup. Very well. That was his jam, and okay. he was so good at it. To the point where, um, when we talk about Max von Tiedel in a minute, Max von Tiedel, everyone thinks he was old as shit because he had old was age he makeup the old on priest? in this movie. He was not old as shit when he made this movie. Was it the man who played the old priest? Yes. Okay. But let's talk about all the that cast. I know about this movie are from like the Austin Powers. Yeah, part. like Austin Powers references. Yeah. But okay. Um, so this movie stars Alan Burstyn. Um, Ellen Burstyn. Alan Burstyn, who plays Chris McNeil. I oh, in, that's another way that I know about this movie. Yeah. I read her biography. She was in Alice Doesn't Live Anymore, The Last Picture Show, and 
Requiem for a Dream. I was going to say, what did she get that Oscar a for? A movie that I look forward to never watching again because it is such a goddamn downer. It's very heavy. Hello, Darren Aronofsky Films. Very heavy. I love you. I watch you once. And never watch you, you again. Away. Because you're fucking grueling. Yes. Uh, and then there's Max von Sydow. Max von Sydow plays Father Marin. And the fact that he's in this movie is kind of amazing. Max von Sydow um, had a career that started at the highest of highs and then ended doing weird genre films. Okay. Yeah. So he did, um, let's see, The Seventh Seal, Wild Strawberries, and the Virgin Spring for Ingmar Bergman. And he was considered like the most important art like, house actor oh. in the world in the 50s and 60s. Uh, and then America pilched him. They were like, hey, why don't you come over here and make a movie? And he was Jesus in The Greatest Story Ever Told, which oh, is this okay. yeah. massive biblical epic. They play it every shot. Easter. Yeah. Um, my favorite part, my favorite part about that movie is I do enjoy Max von Sydow, um, or Sydow. Um, but there's a shot, there's a scene in, uh, the greatest story ever told where Jesus dies. Correct. And the Roman soldier, it, it was a movie, it was an epic. Yes. I think it was a Henry Hathaway movie, but it was this like epic and everyone in Hollywood wanted to be in the epic Jesus movie. Because it would be shown every Christmas. Um, even, it was a guarantee. Even hit. if they were in characters or roles that like you couldn't recognize them right so there's the roman centurion that checks on jesus after he dies when the temple splits apart okay john wayne really and you can't see his face good you just hear surely he must be the son of god (laughs) it's like that's fucking john wayne (sighs) like Wow. He just showed up for a day. It was a Roman centurion. Of course he did. Which is fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Royalty is a royalty is a royalty. So our boy Max here is one of the few people who have played God and the devil. Oh. Because he also played the devil in the Stephen devil King miniseries Prada. Needful Things oh. in the 90s. Where he was the guy who owned that store in the little Stephen King town. Yeah. and Needful and, Things. Yeah, sold people things that they wanted and... Or Maybe. traded them things for their soul or whatever. Correct. Yeah. God and the devil, Max von Sydow. Um, Not he would go can on, say that. He would go on to be in Flash Gordon. Ah. Uh-huh. And he was the old King Osric in Conan the Barbarian. Okay. He's had this really weird career. But everyone thought he was 7,000 years old. And it was just excellent makeup. Because of The Exorcist. Because they see him in The Exorcist and they're like, he's very old. Nope, just good makeup. He was like 50. <laughs> he was just an old age makeup, and it was really good. Nice. Like, Dick Smith's old age makeup is lights. I wish people recognized that rather than just out. thinking that poor man was that old, but yeah. okay. Um, compare him as the older priest to the younger priest, who's played by Jason Miller, who is Jason Patrick from The Lost Boy's father. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Okay. Raging alcoholic. Oh. If you see them side by side out of makeup... Max von Sydow looks younger than Jason Miller. Oh. Because. Raging alcoholic. Yeah. One of them took care of themselves. One of them <laughs> the did not. The other one dragged themselves to death. Oh, that's sad. Um, so there you go. Uh, Jason Miller would return for The Exorcist 3. And he was also in the movie Rudy. Okay. Uh, and then we've got Linda Blair. Yes. Linda Blair. This would have this ruined her back, didn't it? Like it fucked her up no, for life. No, that was Ellen Burstyn. It fucked Ellen Burstyn's back up. Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm just like remembering yeah. things from I um, could just Linda Blair. People to people. It, it's a tale of two cities. Like she's so good in this movie. 
as Reagan. How old is she? Um, she was like 12, I think. Okay. And uh, 12 or 13. And she would go on to be in Savage Streets, which fucking rules. She hunts men with a crossbow after they rape her deaf sister. Damn. Um, that movie is fucking badass. She's in Hell Knight. She's in Roller Boogie. Now she owns a charity that, like, takes care of dogs, like stray dogs. Good on her. Um, yes. However, I've met Linda Blair. She's okay. kind of an asshole. Oh. Like, okay. I say that in the fact that, like, Linda Blair is one of those people that has no concept that other people have things they want to do in their lives and respects their time about it. Um, Somebody was late to a signing, eh? Someone was supposed to be at a signing at noon and didn't show up till six. Wow. That's way late. Like, that's so, way late. Um, okay. Yeah. I know one convention in particular that alleged, I have to say, allegedly, um, promised they would never bring her back because she was so rude to people wow um so yeah problematic <laughs> okay yeah she was also in a movie called repossessed which was a comedy version of this that i remember the first two minutes distinctly because my mom rented it for us we were kids on vhs right and not linda blair but another character it's um Oh, what's his name? Uh, I almost said Lloyd Bridges, but it's not. I can't believe I can't think of his name. He was in Police Academy, or not Police Academy, um, Naked Gun. Leslie Nielsen. Okay. Uh, he plays the priest. And oh, at the beginning yeah. of the movie, the first shot, my mom rents this movie. Mm-hmm. And he's teaching a class as a priest in the first scene of the movie. And this girl is sitting in the front row, and she's got a tube top on, and it's like riding up. And he's like... He looks at her, he's like, excuse me, miss, could you pull your shirt down? And she pulls it down and exposes her boob. <laughs> and my mom was like, well, we're done with this. <laughs> so you immediately rented it the next time your dad was just watching. It was just like supposed to be watching you on a Friday. Um, so there you go. And then uh, last person I want to mention, because he will be a bigger character-wise deal in The Exorcist 3, is Lee J. Cobb's character, Lieutenant Kinderman. Um, he was in 12 Angry Men and On the Waterfront. Ah. Specialized in playing... Angry, angry white men. people. <laughs> angry white people. Oh, I guess it This right. will be a change for you if you're used to him playing angry kind of racist white people because he's really nice in this movie. He's kind oh. of a sweetheart. Um, the same character will go on to be played by a different actor. Who will play the third it very film, differently. Who will play it more angry <laughs> than Lee J. Cobb did. Oh, So okay. there you go. Um, God damn The Exorcist. So the tagline for this movie was, mm. this is such a fucking long tagline. Something beyond comprehension is happening to a girl on this street, in this house. A man has been sent as a last resort. That man is the exorcist. Bum, bum, bum. Okay. Um, I will say a couple of things real fast. First, okay. this movie's on HBO Max. If you do not own it, it's on HBO Max. Um, I have a Blu-ray. I don't know if it's here or at the other house. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple different cuts of this movie. There's the one that's got the spider walking in and all that shit. Um, and then there's the theatrical. We're doing the theatrical. I urge you to watch the theatrical as well. Um, the the later cut that the extra stuff in it is fun. If you've seen the movie and you're like, oh, I just want to see the extra scenes. It doesn't quite work. And it breaks the concept of the movie, which we'll talk more about on the back half. Okay. Um, I'll have to just go with you on that. Yeah. Okay. Trust is trust. Let's go. All right. Well, 
is it time for me to look at an original print of this movie? It is. Now, I know a little bit about this movie. This is the part of the podcast where Josh shows me an original poster and I try to, you know, tell you the plot. I know The Exorcist. The Exorcist is about a girl who gets possessed by the devil and then they have to go in and Catholicism technically has all this, has a real ritual for how to perform an exorcism. And it's that. And she like spits up pea soup and uses a crucifix and not the way a crucifix is meant to be used. Um, that's all I know. We watch different porn. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, stick around. Let's see how close I get. So uh, join us, won't you? Mind the doors. Somewhere between science and superstition, there is another world. The world of darkness. Nobody expected it. Nobody believed it. And nothing could stop it. There are no experts. You probably know as much about possession as most priests. Look, your daughter doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. I'm telling you that that thing upstairs isn't my daughter. Now, I want you to tell me that you know for a fact that there's nothing wrong with my daughter except in her mind. You tell me you know for a fact that an exorcism wouldn't do any good. You tell me that! The one hope, the only hope, the exorcist. Hey everybody, we just finished watching The Exorcist. Me for the first time, Josh for the probably the 47th. What did everybody think? How did we like it? I don't think did I've not seen like it. I don't think I've seen it 47 times. How many times do you think you've seen it? Not as many as a lot of other movies. Mm-hmm. The Exorcist is not a movie I go back to a whole lot. Okay. I'm going to say something controversial as we begin this uh, episode. I thought Texas Chainsaw Massacre was scarier. This, one, this wasn't a scary movie for me. My mom is the exact opposite. She thinks Texas Chainsaw is stupid and not scary at all. Right. And loves this movie. I so mean, it, it's it's a taste thing. I really enjoyed kind of the throwback to the 70s feel. I thought that was kind of fun. Um, I always love the name I'm now forgetting. Uh, Ellen Bernstein. Oh, I remembered. <laughs> I always love Ellen Bernstein. I thought it was really interesting there were parts of it that were totally new to me that you know it kind of are not part of the culture I guess like I didn't know the story about the uh young priest's mother and all that Dammy, why for you do this why for you do this to me yeah we got a lot to talk about and I figure a lot of what I'm going to talk about is going to anger people today okay uh I came to fight oh okay the internet today um, with I don't think my, about today. I think we need to worry. My voice that's dying because <laughs> I've had strep throat. Because you spoke out about this movie. Yeah, I got the exorcist curse in my throat. 
Um, so why don't we go ahead and get the beginning out of the way while you tell us what this movie was about. Sure. A popular Hollywood actress's daughter uh, becomes possessed by an evil spirit. That And the only thing that can save her is the power of Jesus. Nothing good comes if your name is Reagan. Fair. I would agree. Nothing good. IMDb has simply, when a teenage girl is possessed by a mysterious entity, her mother seeks the help of two priests to save her daughter. A young priest and an old priest. But she did it. That's a very vague statement. So basically, in a nutshell, listeners, if you are... This is me in a nutshell. If you want to hear... (laughs) <laughs> if you want to hear me talking or if you, if you just if you came to this podcast because you just want to hear us goof off and right. be ridiculous welcome Here we if go. you didn't watch the exorcist and you've never seen it you have no idea what it's about essentially this is a movie about a mom who's a hollywood actress like cindy stated right. she's making this ridiculous movie in georgetown which is a portion of washington dc it's a, yeah it's like the, the gothic creepy part where all the catholics are um it's where georgetown university is which is a basketball powerhouse historically um in the ncaa double uh ncaa tournament so uh essentially she's there making a movie um and we know she's big time because she's an invitation to the white house yeah Uh, like a big party like just her and a couple people that's an intimate gathering um and her her daughter's with her and she has a german housekeeper guy and then a lady who cooks and then her assistant and they all kind of live in this house which i've been to okay it's pretty cool okay um the little girl has a ouija board and starts talking to someone called captain howdy yep and becomes possessed it starts simply with like she seems a little off her bed's shaking she starts sleeping in her mom's room because she's like my bed won't stop shaking and yeah. then she, the big turning point is she essentially... She has like a prophecy and then she, pees the floor. Yeah, she comes downstairs in the middle of a party with Father Dyer, who, more on that actor in a bit. Okay. Um, the piano playing priest who's really fun. He's like the fun priest of the movie. <laughs> the right. one we get to spend the least amount of time with. He's the one you want to spend the most amount yeah, of time well, with. Yeah, well, wait for Exorcist 3, because you will. Um, <laughs> different actor, though. Um, yeah, so she comes downstairs and she looks at the guy... And she's like, you're going to die up there. The guy that is having a fling with her mom. And then she pees on the floor, which was apparently they used warm beer for the pee. Okay. So it works. It looks like pee. Sounds like pee, which is gross. Yeah, it did. That's true. I've I've had a lot of times where my pee was probably more warm beer than anything else. So (laughs) it's fair. Um, And then it just escalates to the point where she's taking her to these doctors and I think maybe like, she has some sort of hematoma. She's got like a, or... like a lesion on her brain. Yeah. And they do all these like, you know, arteriographs and all this like medical shit. Yeah. And it's it's pretty wild because it's accurate for the period. And it looks goddamn terrifying. And she's in these giant like 70s shaking medical machines. Yeah, the big, M- the big MRI machines. You know, all that shit. And then they're like, well. Guess she needs another spinal tap. We have to give her a spinal tap. Also, could, maybe we should look at psychiatrists. And then that's how she lands on uh, Jason Miller's character, who is Father Karras, because he is a, a priest, but he's also a psychologist. Right. He kind of specializes in religious um, therapy type and things. And while this is going on, he's having his own little side jaunt with his mother, who we mentioned with the, you know, Demi, why for you do this to me? He's got this elderly Italian mother who wants to live on her own and she can't. And then she dies alone and 
I think like she fell and somebody had to find her. This movie does a thing that's very 70s Mm -hmm. that I think if you're not used to watching 70s movies is confusing. Um, where you get a lot of like the story from just passing conversations. Yes. <laughs> like the, if this was, movie had been made in like the eighties or after it would have showed them finding her dead body. It would have, or somebody would have been very clearly giving the information. Yeah. So but it just like, kind of okay, comes this. out of like his uncle's mouth where it's like, she, we, we can't put her in a hospital. Like, Oh, and then it's, Oh no, it's the father Dyer's like, yes. Oh, his poor mother. Like she'd been dead for like a week before they found her. You have to really pay attention to get it. Yeah, it's just that kind of like, it just happens in dialogue, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. It's not something that happens in movies that much anymore um, because I don't think we have the attention. I was going to say it's because audiences aren't quite the same. It's hard to focus on like little tiny minutia in dialogue when people are dicking around on their phones the entire time. Correct. Um, There you go. There's my quibble. Uh, (laughs) So he comes in because he meets two criteria, essentially. He's a priest. He's a priest because they were like, the thing the psychiatrist in the doctor's land on is there's this thing where people convince themselves they're possessed. Right. It's a psychosomatic they're not really sort possessed, of thing. But the only way you can become unpossessed in the state is to go through the actual like thing. Right. So like, yeah, like take a sugar pill, trick your brain into thinking you're like better and then you're better. Mm-hmm. So that's the route they go. And that's why he, she ends up talking to Jason Miller who's immediately and i think he is my favorite character in the movie because the minute that she's like what about an exorcism he's like what no yeah. <laughs> like well first we have to go back in time yeah he's like, we have to go back in time and like before we knew about like mental health right i'm like yes yes yeah but unfortunately he will be proven wrong well he um, proves himself wrong he's he's sad to admit it yeah and then that's like the first hour of this movie is just like the setup mm-hmm and then it turns into, like, he has to do an investigation, and he finds, like, he goes to interview her, and she talks in, like, Latin, and she's doing all these things. She makes a drawer open. It's a whole thing. Um, he finds that she's written, help me, on her stomach while right. like scratched the into her monster, skin. the demon, is sleeping. It's a whole thing. He gets to go ahead, but he can't be the one to be the guy in charge. Doing their, they bring in... He doesn't have enough experience. Lancaster Marin. And that's who we talked about in the friend half is he, a younger actor yeah. who genuinely really did a great job. Both he was the f- costume makeup was great. Forty four, yeah, the co- forty four. The costume makeup was great, but he also played the role really well. He's he really did a great job. Max von Sydow, such a good actor. Um, I will say that we neglected to mention that the opening of this movie. Sorry, guys, it's. Uh, I'm not going to pull back the curtain a little bit. It's been a few days since we watched it because I have had strep throat. Um, but the very beginning of the movie, we're introduced to him before any other characters in the um, Iraqi very long desert. opening. When he's digging like up that, uh, that dig of that ancient church and they find the statue of Pazuzu. It's a whole thing. Um, it turns out the statue of the demon got out and it's in this girl. And they somehow fortuitously came together to fight her. Fight the demon together in the end. Right. Um, so he comes in. There's a whole thing. The whole thing. The thing you know about the end of the movie. It's like the last half hour of the movie is basically just the power of the, the power of Christ compels you. It's the young priest, the old priest. There's a thousand <laughs> right. jokes about it. Um, it gets under the skin of Father Karras by taking yes. on the voice of his mom and like saying things like your mother sucks cocks in hell. You left me, you know, you um, let me die alone. Yeah. So um, Father Marin kicks him out of the room right, he, and then has a heart attack and dies. <laughs> yep. And so then he has to come back in and kind of finish it up. And uh, spoiler alert, 
for this very old movie. So his way of doing of the exorcism is he has the demon possess him and then he kills himself by jumping out the window. Yep, self-sacrifice. And then she's great. Everything's fine. She doesn't have any memory of it, which is convenient and what and the, I would want to have happened for that child in that scenario. And the Catholic Church is great at covering things up. So the world was none the wiser. And the movie ends with then Ellen Burstyn giving that St. Christopher's Cross or medallion or whatever to um, Father Dyer. Right. They drive away to the music playing. We didn't mention the cop because this movie is so convoluted with like subplots that kind of don't go anywhere. Um, So Burke Jennings, which is the man that she said you're going to die up there. She kills him off screen, uh, breaks his neck, throws him out the window. Um, If you've ever been to that house, that is not possible. Because out that way. you would have to jump out that window, run across the yard, <laughs> then jump down the stairs. Got it. Um, it is there's, The house is not right against the windows. Gotcha. Right, right, right across the, the stairs. stairs. Yeah, that's just not how it's laid out. But it makes more sense in the movie to do it that way. Because it would be ridiculous. It'd be like a comedy. <laughs> if you just, <laughs> That's what I'm picturing now. Yep. Um, Flying out the window. So there's this whole like subplot where like the cop... Kinderman is trying to figure out who, how this guy died, and it seems strange, and what's going on, and something's yeah. not right here. But he's also like a movie fanatic, and he he becomes friends with like both the priest in the movie. He's a very big character in Exorcist Three. He's actually the lead of Exorcist Three. Oh, all right. Which is why I'm bringing him up now to keep him fresh in your mind, Cindy and listeners. Got it. But that being said, yeah, I totally left him out, didn't I? <laughs> Goddamn this movie. Um, lot to say. Let's let's talk about what Exorcist is. All right. It is one of the most successful horror movies of all time. It's one of only like four or five horror films that's ever been nominated for Best Picture. Okay. It didn't win. But it was nominated. That's still a big deal. Um, the only horror film that's ever won Best Picture has been... Silence of the Lambs? Yes. I think this won Best Adapted Screenplay. Okay. And Best Sound. Which I'll give it that. Okay. Um lame <laughs> sorry okay here's we, we we're at the part of the show we're at the part of the show where i'm gonna piss people off josh has a whole thing prepared y'all settle in i've been thinking about this for a couple days why this movie doesn't work for me as well as it does for other people okay <clears throat> i think and we've if, if we've learned anything from this podcast um and from my life <laughs> it's horror movies are a product of their time right. and they're a window into the politics of the time. Right. Right. Like sometimes it's this amazing snapshot like Night of the Living Dead. And sometimes. Where you you shoot a movie with that ending and then as soon as you're done with it, Martin Luther King Jr. is assassinated and the movie has a whole nother Whole nother level. Like level and context to it. It's this whole thing. It like predicted it in a way. Um, get, we had that in our lifetime a few years ago with like Get Out. Or yes. Was, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, That's back for season one. There us. are movies that do that well. Then there are movies that are a little conservative for my taste. And this is one of them. And this is why I, if we're talking 70s horror, I, I get why people like The Exorcist. Um, and I'm not here to tell you that if you like it, you're a, you're a bad person. Yeah, we all like taste. whatever we like. It's whatever. This like, is a safe space. My mom that. loves this movie, and I would never deign to tell someone like something you like is terrible. But I'm going to tell you why 
this movie doesn't work for me. Um, and maybe some people out there who have the same opinion, you know, it'll give you heart that we can actually like talk about things because we're not even going to talk about freaking yet, which is a whole separate troubling thing. Who? Uh, the director. Okay. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, this is essentially a movie where the bad guy is the monster. Let's say not the bad guy. The monster is a teenage girl and her sexuality, which I'm not the most comfortable with. It's the fact that like she's on the cusp of becoming like a teenager or she's just a teenager. Yeah, they make a big deal over and, her birthday. Yeah, and they make a big deal about plot. like masturbating with a crucifix and being like hypersexual. Yeah, that- and you have to remember, like, the 60s was a time of, like, the civil rights movement, right? Right. And I, people look back on that period, and I, you still have people that are, like, pissy about it. But by and large, most people can agree, oh, like, the great civil rights shit of the 60s, that was great. Like, should have happened, like, yay. And some people are just, but like, the dirty 70s, hippies. Oh, yeah. The 70s was more about gender and gender equality. Yeah. And people can't get behind that still people are still so this movie in a lot of ways is about a rich mom Mm -hmm. who works who doesn't stay home to tend to her family and her family falls apart her daughter starts you know because she has no parental guidance there's no she's not going to church she doesn't have any religious things starts dicking around with a ouija board and gets possessed right right she goes to see doctors fail these doctors cannot help you she goes to see psychiatrist they oh, can't help they can't help as a matter of fact he hypnotizes her and she dick grabs him and fucks his shit up side note hypnotism is not part of of therapy that's that's they're very separate things they're, they don't overlap the way that they do in movies continue <sighs> and then you know they they say almost like jokingly try an exorcist yeah. Like and she and Ellen Burstyn's like a, like a witch doctor? Yeah. You, what are you talking about? And they said no. Uh they said no, like a Catholic priest. Or you know, like the whole thing of like, you know, oh, like psychosynamic or like, uh, psychosomatic. Yeah, I'm sorry. Words are hard when your mouth feels like it's full <laughs> of paste from the antibiotics. Oh, poor guy. Um Yeah, it's just this odd thing of like this movie is about it's very much has a white savior ending. Yes. Like the white guy saves her at the end. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and it's just this like pull towards traditional family values. It's like they're being punished in my mind when I watch this movie more than any other film that deals with the devil that is famous. <laughs> and like, there are a lot. There are a lot of devil movies out there. This is the one that seems to be the most like you are being punished for working. You are being punished for being for busy. being a single parent. You're being punished for not having traditional family values. You're being punished for not taking your kid to church on Sunday, for not even having religion in your household. Like, right. she, she gets says angry yeah. whenever she finds the crucifix that I just took that potentially as, hid in her room. I just kind of took that as, you know, this isn't a superstitious thing. <clears throat> She's sick. Like, don't hang garlic up. It's not a vampire sort of a thing. Well, I, but there, I think there's a very big difference between, like, hang garlic in a cross like I, yes i, I know up in houses with crosses everywhere. i know but i'm saying like in in this world like that's what it is to yeah. her it's a superstition rather than a faith-based you know something like religion 
Yeah. And, and like, when I was a kid, and I would see this movie, it, of course, it's Caribbean when I was little. And as I got older, it didn't scare me as much, and I always thought, like, why? And it's because I'm not religious. Right. Um, people I know who are very religious or who had a very religious upbringing that aren't, aren't religious anymore, mm-hmm. this movie scares the shit out of them. Because this hmm. movie is like what they were told would happen if they fucked around and found out. Right? Huh. Like, I was not really raised with a whole lot of religion. Right. Um, like, I was around it, but I didn't go to church every Sunday. Didn't have to. You know, I, from a very, probably much younger age than most people, was like, I don't think this is real. So, <laughs> it didn't have that power over me. But, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was like, this shit's real. Like, this could fucking 100% <laughs> happen to me. This shit is way scarier. I got than a friend in a wheelchair. This could absolutely Ugh, happen. Fucking Franklin. But I, honestly, like, so I think it's a combination for me of like me not being a religious person. Okay. And then me thinking about how like just overly return to core values, like this anti-woman is. this movie feels Oh, yeah. To it's me. very anti-woman. That's I, for sure. I, I picked up on that right I just away. don't, I don't like it as much as I did when I was younger. Like, I, th- it's like looking at it as a museum piece. I think it's important. I okay. think we should continue to talk about this movie. Um, because I don't think you can talk about the history of yeah, this was horror or even films without talking about The Exorcist. Because it was fucking huge. This is like adjusted for inflation, the highest grossing rated R movie ever. Oh, wow. In our country. Ever. Um, We've had a lot of them. But it's a movie that works less and less for me every time I go back to it. And I, Oh, interesting. I wanted to watch it despite having those feelings because I wanted to get your take on it. And I knew we were going to have to cover it eventually. Um, <laughs> we're going to have to at some point. But like, I just don't, it, I don't know. It doesn't hit you. It, it is like a scary it doesn't movie. It's more like a thriller. Me. It doesn't really scare me. And it, every time I watch it, I just get this icky like, oh, like if you were a stay-at-home mom, this wouldn't have happened. If you would, you know, if you'd put your career on hold and... Right. Because none of the bad shit is lumped on the dad who's, like, just dipped out on him. And forgotten her birthday entirely. Like, like can't even be reached. Yeah. He doesn't have to deal with any of this. That's pretty typical. So, I don't know. Like, it just that kind of shit. I know people are like, oh, you fucking politics, you're lefty and all that. But I just, it doesn't set well with me. Just, and I mean. I can't talk about this movie without bringing that quibble up. Well, symbolism, like, and if you just take any symbolism at all. At, you know, just this movie at face value is only God could save you, which is a very religious thing. Does that make sense? Like, it's a very... No one can help you but the Catholic Church. Yeah. When in actuality, that's, that's the, the opposite. 100%. Um, yeah. I think after watching movies like Spotlight... That's what you were just watching recently, right? No, it's been a long time since I watched okay. Spotlight. I haven't seen Spotlight since it was a theater. Spotlight's the movie with Michael Keaton where they broke the Catholic... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. ...sex scandal thing. Forgot. Yeah, okay. I was watching Stage Fright. That's what I was thinking of. Michelle Suave totally different. from 1987, which is about a man in an owl totally mask who murders people in a theater. <laughs> different. Okay, my bad, my bad. That's on me, uh, I was That's watching a Giallo me. film, guys. I was not watching a depressing movie about uh, the news. Imagine that. <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, you just look at, like, the structure of this movie and the things that I'm quibbling about. And then we talk about the director. Okay. Um, I, tell me about this director. 
So this will segue us into like the trivia about the movie. I'm not going to go into everything because there's so much. There's documentaries. Well, and people, about this yeah, movie. that's what I mean. Like people know this movie, but we're just a little mom and pop podcast, just talking about yeah. how it relates to today. Well, but here's what I want to talk about specifically: okay. is you take the problematic elements and take the good, you take the bad. Then you add in the fact that William Friedkin was set out to make this movie, and historically did not care what happened to people as long as he got his movie made. Um, ah. You knew, like you knew, who knew nothing about this movie, knew that Ellen Burstyn fucked her back up. Oh, yeah. It was very bad. And like, she, um, without even really knowing too much about the movie, watching it, I was like, oh, is that the scene that screwed up Linda Blair's back for the rest of her life? And yeah, that's it. Like, okay. It was when she was bouncing on the bed. Right. One of the things broke and like fucked her back up. Yep. They had a like rope tied her. around Ellen Burstyn to jerk her to the ground. Mm-hmm. And she was like, hey, can you do it a little easier? No. And she said, I saw, and Billy was like, well, I say Billy, because she called him Billy, because they were having an affair, according to her from the book. Yes. Um, well, and her own book, yes. Yeah. Well, from uh, Easy, Riders, uh, Easy Riders Raging Bulls, if I could talk. Um, essentially, she said, please don't pull as hard, it hurts. And he said, no problem. And then she walked away and heard him tell the guy, pull her fucking harder. Oh, that's so. Okay, she landed on her back wrong and fucked her back up. Still has back problems yes, today. Yes, she does. Um, Correct. Like you got to understand. You got to understand what. So William Peter Blatty wrote this book, and then he owned the rights to the book because he wrote it. So he came as the producer of the. That was his deal. Like, right. I'm going to produce this movie. If you want to make it, I'm the producer of this movie. Got it. Um. And I write the screenplay. And so the way to, yeah. Yeah. Kind of his his baby. Yeah. So this movie was originally who do you think was gonna direct this movie first? Who do you think was the very first person out of the game? I have no idea. I'm not the person to ask that. Was it I don't know. I got nothing. You know the name, I guarantee it. Okay. Who? Stanley Kubrick. Oh. Okay. I mean that he has a pretty bad reputation as well. So but Stanley Kubrick never like injured in that i know sense Stanley Cooper had a reputation for being like just do your job mm. you know who else originally they, they tried to get him to buy it was hitchcock and he turned it down he did, yeah Hitchcock didn't want to get involved warners in was like why don't we have kubrick do it and kubrick was like i don't know how i would do it so he passed okay and then the studio wanted mark rydell okay who's just this like middle of the road cowboy director um, why, why would because why he would not put up a fuss he would just shoot the movie and it would be done okay right like, yeah in and out in and done. out done no problems well well because of P- William Peter Blatty's position he was like I want Freakin because Freakin had just won I believe best director for French Connection okay and the studio was like how about no <laughs> he's oh. a lot and he's a handful and blatty like fucking went all out really like i'm not gonna do this movie if i can't have freaking freaking and then he hired freaking and freaking was a goddamn nightmare there you go um do your research listen to the people not only we talk about him fucking up two actresses backs in this movie for life he went grossly over budget (laughs) by doing things like the scene where they're cooking bacon Mm -hmm. he was like cut that bacon isn't from the year this movie will come out. It's got preservatives in it. It's not 
If, see how it's curling up? It wouldn't actually do that. So he wouldn't shoot until they could find preservative-free bacon. Dill hole. Yeah. Okay. But it's just shit like that. Like, he was just a fucking nightmare. Yeah. And, like, Blatty finally was like, hey, um, could you maybe calm down? And Freakin was like, you no. don't. He's like, you don't fucking tell me what to do. It was like a whole thing. They had a massive falling out from this movie. And Even after he went to bat for him so much. Yeah. Wow. And Talk here's about okay. that feeds you. Here's the thing that's going to seal the deal for why you were going to hate William Freakin. Did you just make me watch a rapist movie? No, I didn't. Okay. But I you wouldn't did. do that and then okay. retroactively be like, ha ha, I got one by you. Um, <laughs> that you know, would be a Billy Freakin would do this thing. This thing. Actually, there's two stories. I'll tell you the, the, the lesser of the two evils first. Okay. So the guy who played Father Dyer, like the piano priest. Got it. He was not an actor. He was actually a priest. Oh, oh. Right? Like, he just looked, he was good looking. Yeah, okay. Like, he taught high school. Like, he was a priest. Got it. And the scene at the end of the movie where Father Karras has fallen down the stairs, and he goes to his side, and he's like, you know, do you, do you want to confess? And he has that moment with, like, mm-hmm. his presumably best friend. Um, he couldn't nail it. He kept having trouble getting the emotion right. And they shot it like three or four times. And he was like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what to do. And freaking goes, do you trust me? Uh-oh. And he goes, yeah. So he slapped the fucking shit out oh of Oh, my him, God. Like in the face and went action. And he is, when he walks in the frame and he's like stunned, it's just because he just got belted in the fucking mouth. Holy shit. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it, it did nail that scene, though. It does look great. So here we go. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the moment that Cindy's going to turn against this guy. Okay. Completely. Um, the reason everyone looks so, like, haggard and scared and shocked in the last third of this movie is is because Freakin would hide blank firing guns in the nope. house. Nope. And would shoot them in the middle of scenes nope. to scare the shit out of people. Like. Nope. To the point where, like, Max von Sydow would ask the dp owen roisman he'd be like where are the guns so i'd know not to be there here's the thing that's why there's a fucking union like that's what you that's when you go "Mm, i'm gonna go ahead and call my very powerful union rep that's fucking insane um uh, jason miller had it out with him he's like he started screaming at him yes after he did it one day because it scared the shit out of him and uh essentially freakin was like well i need you to act scared and Chase Miller was like, I'm a fucking actor. Just tell me to be scared and I will be scared. Right. Like, That's the fucking you don't point. need to do this. Like, he did it one time and the old, like, that German guy, Carl, fell down the stairs. See? Because it scared him so bad. Oh, like, fucking he was just firing fucking blanks off in a house, like, in a, in like a set, in a yeah, closed a set. set. Scaring They're, the shit out of people. Guns are loud as fuck. Yeah. Like, that's, that's Billy freaking in a nutshell. Like... He just went all out and did shit like that because he was like, it's in service to the movie. No, it's um, not. And I'll be honest with you. I, when I was younger, I loved this shit. When you're like 20, 22 and you're reading about, oh, he fired guns or like, this guy did this or like, oh my God, the things like Brandon did to get into characters. Like, oh, it's shitty. You're a shitty person. Like, yep. point blank. Like if, if you're like, you don't ever hear about someone using method acting. And it's like, and then they were really nice to me. Yeah. I mean, it's always even, like them justifying why they were a right. fucking dickhead. Like Daniel Day-Lewis would yell at Sally Field all the time. 
on the set of Lincoln. Like, yeah, not not a good person. I mean, not a good idea, I guess. I don't know about on a personal level. Anyway, I'm digressing. It's just this week, yeah. So, like, I knew that would be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ma- major thing. So. You were, you were correct in that. I kind of wanted to talk about that. A couple of the other things where I just want to throw out some trivia for you. Okay. Is... Um, due to the death threats against Linda Blair, because like from religious zealots, <laughs> that makes so much sense. Who believed the film quote glorified the devil? Warner Brothers had bodyguards protecting her for six months after the film was released. That's so weird. How is that glorifying the devil by showing him like beating up and killing this little girl? I will say, well, torturing. I have heard in interviews, Catholic priests say there was never a greater recruiting tool. Oh and yeah, The Exorcist. Like it made people so scared. In, they were like, I in the be wake Catholic of this movie now. coming out, they had the largest intake of Catholic priests they've ever had. Wow! One, like in suddenly like modern people, history, suddenly people are like, "Wait a minute, that's kind of cool. I can do that. All right, yay, God!" It was more just like you know, I want to, yeah, I want to do battle with. Them. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be a bad, I'm gonna be a badass. Like, I'm gonna be a crusader for Christ. Um. <laughs> The bedroom set had to be refrigerated like, to, make, to, to, to make the breath. Yeah. Um, poor, that poor kid. So Linda Blair was just in there in a nightgown. Yeah, that's what I mean. That poor kid. Probably got sick as a dog. Yes? Yeah. Like. Uh, okay. Uh, this movie, when it was originally released, a lot of theaters had to have paramedics nearby because people were like fainting. Oh, I don't even think it was that. No, but it's it's just, it, it is. Yeah, all right. The time period, right? I guess you see what you want to see in it. Uh, also, yes. here's some more William Freakin' bullshit. Uh, actress Mercedes McCambridge, who was the voice of the demon, right? Okay. <clears throat> um, she insisted on swallowing raw eggs and chain smoking to get her voice to do that thing, oh, to sound like okay. that. Um, she had, she was a recovering alcoholic, that freaking low-key talked into coming off the wagon. Nice. Uh, nice to, guy. To distort her voice even more and create this like state of what? mind okay. of like someone who was like an other. Okay. What? Uh-huh. Uh, Thank at, God for at, computers. You can do that shit At Freakin's direction, she was also bound to a chair with pieces of a torn sheet at her neck, Why? arms, wrists, legs, and feet to get a more realistic sound of the demon struggling against its restraints. Okay. Uh, she later recalled the experience as one of horrific rage while freaking admitting that her performance as well as the extremities to which she was put through to get authenticity terrified him. What an asshole. What, is he still like a director in Hollywood? Still making all the movies? Uh, no, he had a gigantic flame out. Good. Uh, he, he's made some stuff, but his, the high point of his career was definitely The Exorcist. Fuck him. Like he did... Um, Sorcerer, which is a great movie, but it, again, pushed people to the point where they almost fucking died. Um, not worth it. It's not. No paycheck is worth your life, man. Yeah, it's just... Oh, and I will say this, because I pointed out... I don't think we talked about it in the front half, but I pointed it out during the movie. What's that? So, there is a serial killer in The Exorcist. Oh, yes, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we did not talk about this in the front half. Paul, we talked about it during the movie. Yeah, right. Paul Bateson, an x-ray technician. When right? she's in going the, into the big... Yeah. Bang, 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 the guy bang. with the beard. Yeah. Um, 
He's one of the the angiography scene people, the nurses. Okay. He was late several years after this movie came out. He was convicted of murdering film critic Addison Verrill, and he became the prime suspect in what were known as the bag murderers or mm. the bag murders, which were carried out from through seventy seven and seventy eight, in which six male victims were mutilated and dismembered, and their remains were wrapped in large plastic bags and dumped in the Hudson River. Oh my God. Um, some of it washed up on the Jersey Shore. Yeah, that, I mean, that tracks. They were the inspiration for another freaking movie called Cruising, starring Al Pacino, where he does, goes to all these gay bars. And it's crazy. But essentially, this guy got caught, and I believe he even said, like, he did it, but then backed out on it, and they couldn't convict him. So he only, got, he only went to jail for the one murder. Okay. And then he's free now. <laughs> oh, cool. America. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Well, um, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I don't think all that torture was worth it. I mean, it might just be where looking back, looking at it through, you know, 21st century eyes. I don't know. And I'm, I'm not a religious person. So that also kind of contributes to it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. Do you think this movie's scary? No. Would you watch this movie with your mom? Yes. Yeah, I went with my kids <clears throat> for obvious reasons. Your one has seen it and thought it was the most boring movie he'd ever seen. Yep, there it is. I was going to say, and he probably hated it. He was like, this is really boring. Yeah, it it is. It it was it was boring at at times. And then it was it, it was just like, I don't know. I, I kept wondering, like, okay, is there going to be like a jump scare? Are we going to like see this hideous demon and you kind of do but it's in like a shadow right and so it was just like okay and then five minutes of whoa and then it's over like oh okay that wasn't worth it well i just i think this movie it works if if you have a connection and, to yeah it. but again i'm, and it I'm works not if a religious, you're religious person right right um so I'm, I don't know. I'm an old lady and I'm not religious. So the, I guess this movie is not for me. <laughs> I'll say that. That's kind of my mom. <laughs> my mom's not. But she loves it. She believes in, in Jesus, but she doesn't go to church. Hmm. She's old. <laughs> but I don't, like, I don't know. This movie doesn't work for me the way a lot of... Because the 70s had some banger fucking horror films. Um, one of my all-time favorite horror films came out. Actually, two of my all-time horror films came out in the okay. 70s. Jaws, two years after this. Yeah. Um, and? And? Alien. Alien. Oh, I didn't realize. I guess I keep forgetting that Alien is that old. 79. Oh, I, I should know that. Yes. 79. Fucking love Alien. Alien. So much. All right. Has all the opposite things that this movie has. Is that we're going to watch? No. Okay, what are we we're watching watch next week, sir? The Exorcist 3. Why are we skipping two? Because two is terrible. Ask anyone. I'll tell you. Okay. So we're watching Exorcist 3. Yeah. All right. If you don't know the story, listeners, you'll find out next time why we're skipping two and we're going straight to three. All right. Well, then, until then. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. Yay. Also, I'm sorry if you love The Exorcist and I just shut all over it for 30 minutes. I'm not. I still love you, but... Sorry, I don't. I'm not, I'm not sorry. I don't like it that. Way. I don't. I don't love it that way.